Stitching. I'm going to read chapter 24 of the Shakespeare Scribe. So here I go. Gog's womb! I gasped. What happened? It was a foolish thing to say, for it was perfectly clear what had happened. Someone had assaulted Jack and made off with all our money. Mr. Armin did not bother to state obvious, but said he's alive. I can feel a pulse in his neck. Help me lift him into his bed. As I hurried to take hold of Jack's legs, my first good look at his head as well. It lay in a pool of blood. When we had laid him upon the mattress, I said, I'd fetch some water and some bandages. Can you manage alone? Said, asked Mr. Armin. If I'm quick, I may get, uh, I may yet be able to catch the thief. Aye, I said. Go on. The others will be along shortly anyway. I ran down the main room of the inn to fetch a ewer of water. As I was returning, Mr. Armin emerged from his room with a sword with a sword strapped on his side. I was almost glad to have a duty tending to Jack, for I did not care to think so much about the implications of what had happened. For one thing, if all the contents of the trunk were gone, that meant my mother's crucifix was gone as well. Even more troubling, that was the reason that if the gatherer's box was here, then Jimmy Redsaw must necessarily have been here too. Pushed these thoughts aside, I pushed these thoughts aside and forced myself to concentrate on Jack's wounds. He had been just—he had been struck on the side of his of the skull with some blunt object. Just one blow, as best as I could determine. If uh, it had been two inches lower, it would have hit his temple and most likely been death for him. As it was, the effects were bad enough. The blow had torn loose the uh, patch of his scalp. The blood was welling steadily from the wound. If, if I was any judge of head injuries, which in truth I was not, the skull was surely fractured as well. The first order of business was to staunch the bleeding. Gingerly but rapidly, I, cl- I clipped away the matted hair with the scissors from our medicine chest and plastered the flap skin back in place, laid the pad of cloth on it, and bound the wound up tightly. Before <coughs> sorry. Before I was quite finished, while Sly and Sam came trampling up the stairs, laughing over some incident from the afternoon's performance, they broke off upwardly when they saw the state of the room. The devil take me, said Will. We've been robbed. 
His eyes fell on Jack's unconscious form. Is he dead? I shook my head. Not yet, but near to it, I'm afraid. Has leaked enough blood to fill a pig in. Have you any notion of who did it? I asked Sam. Did I did not wish to be the one to mention my father's name in connection with the crime. Nor, it seemed, did the other trunk and the gatherer's box. Then he stood and glanced at the doors of, to the room, both of which stood open. The doors were this way when you arrived? Nay, I unbarred the inside door to go downstairs. <coughs> but the door of the gallery was wide open. Will picked up the wooden bar, which was intact. This door hasn't been forced. That means Jack must have unbarred it from here. And that means... He hesitated. It means, said Mr. Armin, who at that moment appeared in the doorway, that whoever came into the door must have been someone well known to Jack. I swallowed hard and said, You you saw no sign of the thief? No, he replied quietly. His eyes met mine, and I saw something like pain on them, or pity. But, he went on, his voice still softer still, I did find this just outside the entrance in the inn yard. In his right hand, which had been concealed by the door frame, came forward and in it was a wooden walking stick the lion's head on the handle was barely visible caked as it was in half-dry blood and troughs of human hair i shrank back from the sight not wanting to look at it yet unable to take my eyes away nay i cried it can't have been him i'm certain i wish i could believe that said Mr. Armand, but look at the evidence. You look at it. You want it to be him. You've always disliked and distrusted him for the day uh, uh, joined the company. I reeled and ran down the inside stairs through the main room of the inn and out into the street. I stood there a moment, looking around frantically, for that I was uncertain for some way out of the situation, perhaps. I wanted to run away, but there was nowhere for me to go. I wanted to find Jamie Ritza and ask him for an explanation and to warn him, but I had no notion where he might be. If he truly had played some role in the, ro in the robbery, though I did not wish to consider that possibility, I must. Then he would surely have fled or gone into hiding. I began walking away from the inn with no destination in mind, only the desire of distance myself from Mr. Armin and from Jack's still form, from the empty money boxes coming toward me, uh, or their way back from the theater. Abruptly, I turned into the street, the side street. I could not bear to to be the one to tell them all what had happened. Better to let me, let Mr. Armin do it, I thought briefly. He would get more satisfaction out of it. 
as I turned another corner. All I all but quarreled with Ned Shakespeare, who was uh, emerging from the apocryphy shop from the pouch of smoking tobacco. You're in a hurry, he said. Who's after you? Have you seen my father? I demanded. Not since my the performance. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if you found him at the sign of the three turns. Tons, he gestured down the street. As I strode off in that direction, I called, What's he done? Robbed the box again? I ignored him and broke into a run. Ned was right. Jamie Ratsaw sat at the table in the three tons, instant on a game of free narrow. As I slid into the bench beside him, he gave me a glance that did make me a little happy and feel he was happy to see me. Checking up on me, are you? Nay, said breathlessly. I need to talk with you later then. He laid two cards face down and was dealt two more. I felt tears spring to my eyes and I fought them back. It's always later, isn't it? I cried. My voice sounded choked and shaky. This can't wait. He gave me a longer look now, his eyebrows raised. Then he turned back to his companions and laid his hand on on the cards on the table. Pardon, gentlemen. I'll collect my money in a, in a moment. He took me aside. What is it? Now that I had his attention, I was uncertain what to say. The, the money, I managed. It's gone. They, they think you took it. I had hoped for a reaction from him that demonstrated his innocence. Surprise, confusion, perhaps indignation at being falsely accused again. Instead, he scowled and muttered, Damn, are they underway here? I shook my head slowly, but it was less a response to his question than it was attempt to clear the muddled thoughts in my mind, or perhaps to deny them. I I don't can, I stammered. I believe they think you fled, and so I should perhaps. He returned to the table and began to gather up his winnings. I stood there, I stood where I was a moment, dazed and dumb, and then tagged after him like a desperate beggar hoping against hope to be given a small bit of charity yet. I can't believe, I started to say. Then I broke off as the front door of the tavern was flung open and the two men strode into the room. From his leather jerkin, I took one of them from the constable. The other was Mr. Armin. Avoiding my gaze, he pointed an accusing finger directly at Jimmy Ritzoff. That's the man. The constable drew his sword and stepped forward. You may as well as come peaceful, sir, he said, and make it easy on yourself. Jamie Redsaw hesitated, jiggling his coin-filled purse in his hand, as if debating whether to turn and run or to stay and fight. I watched him anxiously, uncertain which course I would have him choose. He chose neither and said, he shrugged and said, This is a poor timing, you know. I was winning for a change. Then he moved 
Tilra to meet the constable, who lowered the point of his rapier and smiled a little, obviously relieved that his prisoner did not mean to resist. Uh, I felt a rush of relief as well, but with it came a sharp pang of disappointment that he would give himself up so meekly. Even if he was guilty, he might slavage some honor by putting up a fight or at least attempting to escape. But I reminded myself, without his stick, he had nothing with which to fight. Why the situation changed abruptly? As the constable assured his prisoner towards the door, Jimmy Retza crowded him a bit. The officer knocked his knee against one of the breaches. Before he could regain his balance, Jamie Ritza caught the constable on the chin and sent him reeling backward. In an instant, Jamie Ritza had seized the man's sword. Uh, the man's sword. swung his heavy purse towards the swift duck. It caught the constable on the chin and sent him reeling backward. In an instant, Jamie Ritza had seized the man's sword by its guard and brought the handle down across one knee, breaking its owner's grip. Mr. Armin unseized his sword and came to the constable's aid, but the moment was too late. Jamie Ritza had turned his face him with the swollen rapier held at the boardwalk. Broadwalk. I've disarmed you before and I'll do it again. Warned Jamie Ritzel, let me pass. Mr. Armin's reply comes to do with a of a single word. No. Then he closed in their two rapiers clashed. Jamie Ritzel had no more to say either. Clearly, all his concern, cons, concentration was taken up with the turning aside Mr. Armin's blade as it darted in all directions, threatening first an edge blow of the legs, then a socata to the stomach, a downright blow to the plate, and an imbrocata to the chest. Stop! I shouted, but of course they paid me no heed. I snatched up a heavy earthenware ale mug, meaning to launch it at someone's head, but I could not decide whose. If my aim was true, I managed to brain one of them, he would have mercy of the other. Though I did not wish to give Mr. Armin a chance to run Jamie Redside, though, no more did I wish to let my father deal a deadly blow to my friend. In the end, I could only stay stand gripping the handle of the mug, jerking it about this way and that in sympathetic movements as though it were pairing phantom thrusts. Under the Mr. Armin's attack, Jamie Ritza gave me gave ground again and again, unable to gain the offensive. Several times he tried to maneuver that he had proven so successful 
their previous bout, aiming the point of his rapier directly at Mr. Armand's sword hand. But now he did not have the elements of surprise on his side. Each time, Mr. Armin easily beat the blade aside and put him on defensive again. The constable had gotten to his feet, rubbing his jaw, but he made no move to interfere. I am sure it was obvious to him that it was to me that Mr. Armin was more skillful scrimmer and would win out in, in the end. The grim look on Jamie Redsaw's face told me that he realized it too. The stiff way in which he moved said something more to me, that the wound in his hip was causing him a good deal of pain. Yet he fought so doggedly, despite it all that his heart, uh, despite it all, that it hurt my heart to see it. when Mr. Armin at last left an opening, deliberately, I am sure, Jimmy Redsaw lunged forward. Mr. Armin did a deft transverse to one side and delivered a stern zone or a slicing blow to his opponent's unfortunate forearm. The stolen rapier clattered to the floor, and Jimmy Redsaw took several staggering steps backward, clutching the wound. Without stopping to consider consequences, I sprang forward, swept up a fallen weapon, and came on guard before Mr. Armin. Which, he said as sharply as a sword thrust, stay out of this. I will not, I cried. Whatever I may have done, I still my father. Over my shoulder, I called to Jamie Redsaw. Go, I'll buy you some time, at least. Just see that you don't buy it with your life, he replied. Then I heard his retreating footsteps. The constable seemed about to pursue him until I blocked his path with my sword point. Step aside, Mr. Arwen ordered. I have no wish to fight you, nor I, uh, nor I you. I said, my voice unsteady as my sword hand. He swung his sword suddenly, meaning, I am sure, to catch me off guard and disarm me. But he had trained me too well for that. I turned the blow aside and automatically countered with one of the pasatas I had practiced so intermittently. The point of my sword nicked his doublet, and perhaps his ribs as well, for he drew in a sharp breath. I have never meant for us to come to blows, only to give Jamie Redsaw time to escape. I'm certain Mr. Armin did not wish it either, but sometimes I believe our instincts of override our intentions. So And so it was now. There may have been other, less obvious elements at the work as well. Mr. Armin surely resented at being challenged by one of his pupils, and for my part, it was it, I was still angry with him for being so suspicious of my father. The fact that 
and that he is suspicious. His su- suspicions were well founded, only made matters worse. I may even have have felt compelled to prove that I could equip myself well in a fight that did not involve stage swords and moves planned in advance. What, whatever our reasons, we found ourselves striking at one another in deadly earnest. Though my breath came in panically gasps and my blood pounded in my ears, I do not recall feeling frightened practically. My brain seemed numb, in fact, but my body responded it, uh, responded as if it had been trained to. I held my ground and gave as good as I took. Mr. Armin had taught me that swiftest swimmer always, though, looks his opponent in the eyes, for in that way he can read that his opponent will do before he does it. At first, he lo- the look in his eyes was hard and determined, but that quickly gave way to puzzlement, as if he were wondering how we could have let this happen. Then suddenly he scalded and made a move I could not have anticipated. He stepped back and disengaged. Enough, he said. This foolishness is foolishness. I am not your enemy. He spread his arms wide of, of offering himself as a target to my sword. Here, run me through if you will. Then when I made no move to do so, he turned and stalked from the room. The constable took his sword from my unresting hand and followed, leaving me no me standing there alone, feeling bewildered and breathed. No longer was I torn between two forces, pulling me in the opposite directions. I had succeeded somehow in cutting myself loose from them both. So that was chapter 24. Bye guys, see you later. See you later, see you later, see ya. See ya. ya. Later. Later. Bye Bye guys.